thanks for joining us again on Law and Candor. I'm Paige, and I'm back with Bill Mariano. How's it going, Bill? It's unbelievable, Paige. Uh, we, got, we got a good episode today. We do. We do. So we are talking about more flexible technology with our very own Brooks Thompson, Executive Director of Spectra Operations and Support. You know, the background here is as data and it, uh, challenges continue to evolve, everything's getting more complex. You know, leaders in our industry want technology that's more flexible, that is something that the masses themselves can, can help operate and run. So that's really what we're diving in and talking to Brooks about. Before we get to our conversation with wonderful Brooks Thompson, let's dive into sightings of radical brilliance. This sighting is a piece from Harvard Business Review. Why companies can and should recommit to DEI in the wake of the Supreme Court decision. Bill, what do you think? Well, uh, from a context perspective, right, this obviously comes in the wake of the Supreme Court banning affirmative action at colleges and universities. Um, and so in a lot of states reacting to that. And so th this article takes the takes the position that now more than ever, it's important for companies to recommit to their DE&I initiatives and, and their culture at the company that, that they want to promote. Uh, and I, I look, I, I, I tend to agree. I think now more than ever, it's it's the Supreme Court could do whatever they want to do at, uh, from a government perspective. But if you want to if you want to promote a certain culture at your company, you should now more than ever, you should you should do it. I think the the idea that, um, you know, th that we should look to the government as an example of how to behave has long since passed. If you want to have if you want to have a certain culture at your company, you have to take it under take control of it and do it yourself. And I think, you know, the first step is is to remember the moral and business cases for DE&I, you know, at, at your company and, and what you want to promote. And I, I think they they remain strong, certainly here at Lighthouse. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that, too. I mean, I think the fact that our culture is really driven so much by our employees, our organization and diversity is really at the heart of it. I, I see that as just being a huge attractor to other folks and not something that um, is easily shaken. So that's exciting. I think we're better when we are diverse. Yeah, agreed. Brooks Thompson is next. I think you will enjoy uh, this conversation with Brooks. We talk about how to scale your e-discovery workflows and technology. The man is brilliant and we love having him. Welcome to Law and Candor. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. So, Brooks, you've been at Lighthouse and really in the industry for over a decade. You've had a ton of experience and you've seen lots of technology changes. To start with, it would be great if you could share how you've seen e-discovery platforms and solutions evolve. What didn't seem possible a decade ago that we have now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think when I think back to technology platforms over the course of the last decade, you know, we started where, uh, you know, a quote, big or medium sized case was a couple hundred gigabytes. It was mainly email. Uh, there wasn't going to be aggressive calling and filtering. You got the data processed not too quickly because tech was not quick a, a decade ago. You loaded a couple hundred thousand documents into a review platform, and then you just set an army of reviewers loose on it. And now a couple hundred gigabytes is a small case. It's not uncommon for cases to be millions and millions or tens of millions of records. The data proliferation has been has been crazy. Uh, I also think, you know, one of the things that's really changed when I think about technology platforms is just the advancement 
in analytics, whether it's sentiment analysis or coding reuse or predictive coding, continuous active learning, continuous multimodal learning, you know, the things that started even I remember when I worked on my first predictive coding case, you know, in 2009, 2010, just how crazy it was to see how many documents attorneys had to review and seed sets and validation rounds and the hundreds and thousands of records that had to be reviewed to get okay, but not great results, you know, into today where you can review far fewer records and get much better results. And you're not just talking about the old thumbs up, thumbs down, responsive, non-responsive. Now you're able to get into issue codes and privilege and, and subject matter and just the advancements that we've seen in that technology have been crazy. And then I think, you know, to go along with that increase in data volumes has been the ability of technology to keep up alongside it. You know, we get cases every day here that a decade ago would have required us to turn off everyone else's processing to be able to get everything through the system. And now we do it 10 times a day with, without even blinking. So just seeing the technology scale to, to meet the growth in, in data volumes and then the, the, the technology that is now available to assist and document review and analytics is, is crazy. Yeah. So like, you know what I miss most about the past is the pricing at $5,000 a gig all in. That's what I miss. Absolutely. But you know, I digress. Our clients don't want to hear about that. Um, But you know, with with the, with the, with that evolution in mind, let's talk about some like going forward, right? So what are the more pressing issues now uh, around data challenges and e-discovery that are going to require more adaptable solutions going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think modern data is the the biggest challenge in my mind currently, you know, with the shift in how we work as a result of COVID and more and more people being remote and more and more teams collaborating via online platforms, whether it's Google Chat or Slack or Microsoft Teams, you know, you now have situations in which a document may be being worked on by a dozen people at the same time in multiple locations around the world. And it may be a part of a conversation that the five of us are having as well as a conversation on another team and everyone's pointing to the same document. And if you have to produce a version in time, that doesn't exist any longer. It's consistently being updated. How do you link those document families? Is it a family? Is it an attachment? Is it a linked document? How do you account for those changes over time? I think modern data is a, is a huge challenge. And as we continue to see people collaborating inside of these platforms and and new players coming into that space that do things better, faster, stronger. I think we're going to continue to see novel data types um, where e-discovery best practice and e-discovery technology have a hard time keeping up with the evolution of data and collaboration. So I think, Bill, that's that's one of the things that I see. And I think also, you know, people want to be able to offset that increase in data volumes with a technology-based approach that isn't the solution is we used to collect 500 gigs and then it was 1,000, then it was 2,000, then it was 5,000. I think people want to be able to take technology to control those data volumes uh, on the front end. And I I think that that is something that is going to be a huge area for growth in our space over the course of the next few years. I think that's right. So pace of evolution is definitely increasing. Brooks, there are so many platforms and solutions on the market right now, especially um, you know, with the new entry, if you will, of generative AI. Finding the right one for a portfolio of matters can become a little bit complicated. What do you think are some of the misconceptions about what's currently available? 
You know, I think so many of the technology platforms in the space for so long required a, a user or a client to install them behind the firewall. And I think that that is an evolution that we've really seen over the course of the last few years. Gone are the days where you need to host your own concordance instance or your own Clearwell instance and have all of not just the technology behind your firewall, but also all of that supporting expertise, you know, IT people to manage the licenses and the patches and the upgrades and database people to ensure fragmentation is low, as well as kind of the day-to-day experts to support those technologies. So gone are the days where to be able to handle a matter yourself or, you know, to leverage your own expertise and experience, you have to have that tech behind the firewall. I think another big misconception page um, is that there has to be a huge upfront investment, both on the tech side and the supporting personnel side. I think technology as it's evolved has gotten more simplified. It's gotten easier to use. You know, I remember the user interface of, of tech when I started in this space in 2009. And if you were not a subject matter expertise in that technology, there's no way you could fumble your way through it. You had to be an expert in the tech to use it. And now with the shift in how we build and design e-discovery technology has come a focus on user experience and the user interface so that people without a ton of domain expertise are able to get into these tools, bring their own skills to the table without having to know the you know 98 knobs and dials that were present on these uh, older pieces of technology. And I think lastly, you know, that, that they can only be used for larger matters. You know, I think that there was the misperception uh, a long time that these pieces of technology, both in the past and also currently, only really make sense for big cases. You know, you have to put a large volume of data in there for for the workflow to make sense, for the costs to make sense. Um, and I just don't think that's the case anymore. Good, good e-discovery technology scales up, scales down. It fits n- numerous use cases. And it allows users and, you know, internal and external clients the ability to fit the technology to their use case as opposed to fit their use case to the technology. So let's talk about that because so often we talk about scaling up for large matters and clients will come to us and say, how do you scale up for large matters? Whether it's on the tech side or the bandwidth side for, with people. Let's talk about scaling down. I'd give some examples of how teams have scaled down for smaller matters and still so they can adapt to the smaller matter and still remain efficient as you're building out your team. That's a great question, Bill. And I think, you know, it's one of the areas I've really focused on over the course of the last few years. And I think what we're seeing is sophisticated e-discovery leaders, whether they be inside our corporate clients or inside our law firm clients, are looking for opportunities to apply e-discovery technology to what I've generally described as like e-discovery adjacent use cases. So it's not your traditional litigation, two sides pitted against each other, got to get through the evidence. It's subpoena responses. It's compliance monitoring. It's data subject access requests. It's Freedom of Information Act requests. It's, it's things that aren't necessarily traditionally in the purview of an e-discovery team, although as those teams evolve and as those leaders look for opportunities to streamline their businesses and make them more defensible, a good e-discovery technology platform will be able to adapt to those use cases so that you can defensibly and efficiently respond to a a data subject access request, for example, or or respond to a subpoena. Um, You know, I think what we've seen is a lot of our corporate clients 
um, have solved those problems by throwing bodies at the solution. You know, having a huge team of, of paralegals or project managers that respond to these requests and, and they're doing it often in ways that are um, inefficient and not necessarily defensible. So seeing those advanced and mature e-discovery leaders bill take the technology that they're using for traditional e-discovery use cases and then fitting them to the needs of these other consumers internally has been a really interesting evolution. And what we're seeing is that a lot of the best practices and technology that's available for e-discovery can be easily and effectively repurposed to fit these smaller use cases Obviously, with the with the consolidation in a tech platform, you gain expertise, you gain the ability to have greater buying power, and you know that ultimately, at the end of the day, all of your data is being handled in a secure and defensible way, so you don't have to worry about someone, you know, PDFing something through Adobe Pro or you know, search searching Outlook with keywords in the search bar and saying, hey, you know, we definitely found all of Paige's emails related to this topic. When in fact, you know, you didn't search an archive or you didn't search attachments or any of the things that, you know, historically have been pitfalls when when using technology that really isn't up for the job. Brooks, for those folks that are wanting to use the tech on the smaller matters, what advice would you give them for doing it efficiently? And what technology or features do you think are most important? Paige, that's a really good really good question. And I think ultimately the answer is do you want a technology that allows for a flexible workflow? Having the ability to say what worked for a large internal investigation isn't going to work for a small data subject access request. And knowing that you have a technology that allows you to fit the workflow to the use case, but not just the workflow to the use case, also the user experience to the work work use case. You know, not everyone needs to log in and, you know, Paige and Bill, I know you all do a lot of work on second requests. Not everyone needs a three-pass review with a privileged team and an issue coding team and hot docs and all of these things. Sometimes you just need to give docs the thumbs up, thumbs down, do a quick redaction and export to PDF and making sure that you have a technology platform, both that will meet the workflow demands, either in terms of simplicity or complexity, but then also that you have a, a technology platform that allows for the personalization of the experience of the user so that they don't log in and see tabs and buttons and options that they won't need so that they can log in and quickly and efficiently do their jobs. So, you know, I want to ask you to put your Ray Kurzweil futurist hat on, right? You're as good as anybody I know about predicting what's coming in the industry, right? So let's talk about that. You, we talk about innovation happening around Gen AI. How do you see e-discovery platforms and technology evolving in our space? I think really, Bill, it's going to be really interesting. And uh, the two areas where I think there's a huge opportunity for the space to evolve and for generative AI and predictive analytics to play a bigger role are both in a, you know, cursory analysis of data before you decide to engage in a matter. Have your analytics look at all of the results of all of your previous cases that are similar or adjacent to the subject matter in the current one pull out the key documents, and then be able to inform legal teams based off of the data, based off of what we're seeing, based off of your previous cases, I think there is a high likelihood that you will have to settle this one. Or I think that there's a very low likelihood that you'll have to settle one. The evidence is in your favor. You don't need to you know, concede to the other side's demands. You have strong evidence that supports your claim. 
and you should, uh, you know, take this further. And I think being able to take predictive analytics from a wealth of information, draw out the content of a specific subject matter and have it be able to offer up to you based off of your previous cases that are similar and based off of the evidence of this matter, we think there's a good likelihood that you'll lose this one or potentially there's a good likelihood that you'll win this one and not having to invest in outside counsel, internal resources for uh, an employment case that says, Hey, you know, based off of this, like we're going to settle and it's going to be $200,000. So instead of spending $400,000 in legal fees to fight this, you know, it would be more efficient to just, uh, potentially settle it. And I think the other opportunity too, Bill, and you know, this is something I know you and I've talked about with a number of uh, corporate clients is the ability to use predictive analytics and generative AI to limit data collection on the front end. You know, we know for these types of matters that these types of documents are always likely to be responsive. And this set of documents is always likely to be unresponsive and being able to connect a a repository and wealth of information on the review side about decisions that have been made on documents with upstream processes. So you know what to preserve, you know what to collect, and you don't have to go through this, you know, process that we were going through for years and years where it's like, oh, well, we're just going to collect Bill's entire inbox. You know, it doesn't matter that he's been here for 10 years and he's got 700,000 emails. It's like, well, we know that these types of documents are likely to be relevant. And therefore we can at least collect them as a first pass, if not in their entirety to, to limit collection, limit review scope and increase the efficiency of, of the attorneys that are ultimately looking at the documents. I just assume the HR department was always collecting my entire email box here. Oh, you've been on hold since you started. I mean, I'm not supposed to tell you that, but <laughs> for sure. This has been great, man. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Brooks. Always great to have you and hear your insights. Yeah. Thanks, Paige. Thanks, Bill. It's been great. Thanks, man. Thanks to Brooks and our listeners. For more great stories and guidance, please visit Lighthouse's new hub for content, lighthouseglobal.com slash insights.